MashaAllah, is that a... Oh, okay. I was going to say, is that a nice little YouTube symbol at the back, MashaAllah? It's reached the, the limit, yeah? So, yeah, yeah, Welcome back to the Realist Podcast in the Dunya with the three Muslims. We are joined here. We got Crypto Hash Review in the building. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam alhamdulillah. 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 So real quick for our viewers that might not be familiar with your wonderful work. Can you give a quick summary about, you know, your uh, relationship with the deen, crypto, just anything they want to hear before we go right in. Okay, bismillah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa ala alihi wa sallam, sahbihi ajma'in, Allahumma alimna ma infa'na, wa infa'na bima alamtana, inna kanta wa alimna hakeem. So, uh, my name is Mu'awiyah Taka. I graduated from the Islamic University of Medina in 2008. Uh, I returned to the UK to pursue educating Muslims on Islam and Arabic. Um, and I did so since 2009 until, to, until now to today. Um, and essentially, when I was studying in, in, in Medina Uni, um, I, I graduated from the Faculty of Sharia, Islamic Law. <clears throat> and uh, from the things that I, I, I like to say I've specialized in was usul um, al-fiqh, which basically refers to um, the base principle whereby, whereby which we derive Islamic rulings. Um, and uh, I did touch upon iqtisad um, islami uh, or Islamic economics, which I later on expanded on when I graduated here as self-study, not nothing formal. Um, and then later on, I guess say 2017, um, I got involved in cryptocurrencies, uh, mainly as a means to just accept payment on my website. It wasn't anything fantastic or any, any kind of um, speculative uh, maneuver. It was just literally, I wanted to expand the revenues, <clears throat> revenue stream or avenues people to pay me for my um, services. Um, and then that's where the, the, the rabbit hole or the entrance to that rabbit hole began um, 2017. And I've been in, this, in that space since then, learning about it, even programming, even just now, actually, I was just doing some more programming. We've got something coming up soon, inshallah. That's it, really. Mashallah, mashallah. That's great. Alhamdulillah. I know Brother Gabriel has a ton of questions. Yeah, I have a lot of questions. Bismillah, First of all, like I think this podcast is very important for this reason. And that is, according to what I see, I've been Muslim now for 18 years, coming from the background of, you know, hustling, push and shove. Um, you see that sometimes a lot of Muslims um, do not want to push or they feel that there's a contradiction between investing and being successful in dunya and being a practicing Muslim. Uh, Sheikh Mawi, do you find that that's one of the hesitations of Muslims when it comes to um, kind of dwelling or you know entertaining new avenues of investment in this world? What do you see? Yeah, so um, generally speaking, I do find that... Uh, it's been a while now that, that, that the, the da'wah has been focused on the, the seeking of knowledge, the talabul ilm, which is great, nothing wrong with that. Um, and it's kind of, even when I first became Muslim, I think it was in, in the 1990s, it was, uh, there, was not, there wasn't really any emphasis on the rizq 
or the, the attain of the risk. If anything, it was seen as a distraction. You know, you get a job, then you lose that whole part of it, which is which is generally the case anyway in 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 Western lands. There's not much product in our time over here, unfortunately. Um, so it was always a case of if you're gonna be doing work or gonna have a business, you're not gonna be a student of knowledge. If you're gonna be a student of knowledge, you're not gonna get involved in in, uh, in finance or in, in income, or generate income. And there is some truth to that, like I said, in terms of just being the, the, the nature of our lives, nine to five, you know, it's, there's not, again, there's not much baraka in our time. I mean, I, what I found in Medina is that you could study and you'd have a large portion of your day to do something else. You could do something else. Um, and definitely in Medina, there was a lot of baraka in our time. But unfortunately, um, the rat race caught up, catches up with all of us. And uh, people often find that there's, they don't find that as a balance. That's that's in practical terms. They don't have. There's not a balance. But in terms of ideological terms, again, some people think it's almost 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 dirty to talk about making money. Um, I, I even had some um, brothers, you know, um, almost almost say that they don't want to take extra money. I mean, they they, they actually said, you know, I had opportunity to take, let's say, let's say like ten thousand pounds profit, but they said, you know, I'm just happy with one. My brother, just take the 10, man. Take the 10. Why is it one happy with one? Take the 10. So, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's that people think that being nice and being a good Muslim and being a fair trade means you must, you must make profit. All these kind of things. It's just, it's just weird. It's, just, it's, just, it's wrong. Anyway, the point is, uh, not, not only, what is it? I think if you realistic, if you look at it, not only have Muslims lost their way when it comes to our aqidah, and our saluk, in terms of our mannerisms and our behavior of our husbands and our wives and our children, we've also lost that way by even our trade, our tijara. And there's no reason why we should think otherwise. There's, not, there's, there's no way you can think of realistically that, yeah, you know, we've got a lot of work to do for the da'wah of the Muslim, bringing them back to the deen. But in terms of our tijara, we're cool. Why, why, why would you assume that? If, if, we're, if we're broken in, in that which is even greater, which is our, our knowledge and of Allah and his religion, then why wouldn't we equally as broken, if not more, in our other uh, avenues of being, uh, of dunya, sorry. MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah. Okay, quick question before maybe uh, Fayad and uh, Fayad and uh, Anjun has, but uh, Sheikh, what's your favorite Sahabi or uh, Tabe in terms of uh, business skills, MashaAllah? I mean, in terms of business skills, I mean, I haven't really thought, thought about a Sahabi in that, in that regard. Usually you think of them in, in, in religious, Terms. I mean, generally speaking, when it comes to business, I've always, always admired uh, Ibn Umar's um, suluk or his behavior as being very direct. It was very, there was, there's a hadith in the last Allah when it says, <clears throat> So, two people who are doing transactions with each other have the option to nullify the contract and undo the contract as long as they're not part of the company. Um, so, based on that hadith, whenever he did business, immediately once he concluded, he got up and left. Just so he made sure that it was clear that the business transaction is finished. So, and what what I loved about that is, it it it, it demonstrates how closely woven his rizq was with his with his deen. It wasn't just I'm Muslim in the masjid or I'm Muslim on Eid, but I'm Muslim in everything I do, even business. So, and it's and it's like an open demonstration. You know, I'm gonna conclude business. And got up and left. Um, so I guess in that regard, like I said, I never really thought of the Sahabi in that regard, but yeah, that is 
something that always comes to mind when it comes to being a businessman. Mashallah. Mashallah. That's a phenomenal intro. I, I say we go right into uh, centralized, decentralized finance. Go for it. All right. Bismillah. Take the lead. What's your question? All right. Uh, just, just general difference between centralized and decentralized. A lot of viewers might not be familiar with these terms. Okay. Okay. So in terms of, um, I mean, just, just, just to go back a step before the whole central and decentral, um, finance, uh, I think people need to understand what does that even mean. Mm. Now, um, the problem we have as Muslims, especially in this day and age, is that... Um, we essentially have come into a space that wasn't ours. Now, obviously, we have detailed rules and regulations about how to conduct business in Islam. But needless to say, we haven't really been focusing on that as, as an ummah for a long while now. Um, so when it came down to other nations, other ummah who have definitely excelled at making money, um, we are now coming into their space and we are trying to keep up with what they are doing. Mm. So what Muslims have done or are attempt- attempting to do is to compete in the, way that, in the way that they do business. And part of the way that they do business is through financing, i.e. using other people's money. Hence, we have now this concept of Islamic financing i.e. Islamically the way to do business with other people's money. That's how I like to look at it. Um, and if you want to go back and look at Islam and in terms of business, we need to go back to our principles and build our foundation on our, uh, our principles, not on their principles. So when it comes to the issue of finance itself, people say to me, oh, brother, what's your view on Islamic finance? I find it a bit of a troublesome question because... To me, it almost seems as though, how can I do what they do Islamically? Does that make sense? It's like, how can mm. I do, how can I copy them, but in a halal way? Rather than mm. how should I do things, Islamically speaking? Does that make, does that make sense as a, yeah. as a difference? Ooh, we, we Islamicize things. Yeah. Rather than seeing, okay, what, what, is, what is the way in which we do business as, as Muslims? Organic, um, organic Islamic. So one of the, one of the, one of the, things that we need to focus on as Muslims, or one of the, one of the principles of, of trade and business as Muslim, not just business and trade, but as a, as a Muslim living life, is to live within our means. That, that is one of the, the biggest challenges Muslims have today. How do you conduct your business and even earn money using the resources that Allah has given you, as opposed to having nothing right. and then living on debt? So I'll give you one example. You guys know you guys know Donald Trump, innit? You guys have seen it. You must know Donald Trump. <laughs> so Mr. Trump, he made it, his son made it made it, I was talking about one of the things that his father mentioned to him. And he said that um they were going to the Trump Towers once and there was someone who was homeless outside the, the Trump Towers, and, and uh, his dad turned to him and said to him, uh, you know that guy has more than me because he has nothing. And I have less than that. What he meant by that is, although he has Trump Towers and he has all this, all this you know, investment, all of that actually is debt. It's not, don't, don't think that he runs his own business because of the liquid cash he has. 
He has gone out to banks and got loans. This is the foundation of business across the board. They don't function on, on capital for the most part. They function on leverage. Right. Why use the money I have in a bank account when I can use someone else's money? I mean, I've heard that so many so often. Why would you use your own money when you can use someone else's money? And um, this, is, this is one of the things that we need to, to find a way out of that mindset. So when it comes to the issue of decentralized finance versus fi- centralized finance, finance, what does, what, what does finance even mean? I mean, I'll ask you guys, there's three guys here. What does finance mean to you? I don't money. think I have like a proper definition for it. Like if, if you tell me finances, I just think money. Mm, same. Yeah. yeah. So I think money management. Journey, money management, excellent. So yeah. one of the ways in which, you, for example, and, and unfortunately, unfortunately, the whole system is built around leverage. Mm-hmm. How do you live with the bank interwoven into your business model? The idea, I mean, even, even companies as big as Apple, Apple has, a, has on their balance sheet billions of dollars on their balance sheet, yet they still have loans and take out loans. I mean, when I first heard that, I was like, well, but why would it, <laughs> I don't get it. Why would you do that? But because there's tax purposes why they do so. They, they, benefit, they benefit through taxes. So they can offset their, in, their, their profits with their, their money they borrowed. And there's all sorts of madness. The point is, the whole system is configured to use riba, to have riba at the core of everything we do. And as Muslims, we need to now find avenues and ways to engage in business without the need for riba. And that is actually why I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of Bitcoin. Because from, in my perspective, I see it as an avenue to exist outside of that system. As long as my money's in the bank, I'm still within their system. Even if I don't take a loan, I'm still within their system. If I have big, my money in Bitcoin, for example, or run my business on Bitcoin, I can conduct my business without ever touching their leverage or touching their, their system. That's just one aspect of it. Um, but that's, that's just the first thing. So in terms of answering your question again about the issue of, of decentralized or of centralized finance, um, Generally speaking, both of them have issues, Islamically speaking, both of them. And for those who are not aware, centralized, anything to do with centralized basically means organized by a centralized authority. So for example, Hayat Kibar Ulama, the the body of of major scholars, like Saudi Arabia, that's a centralized system. As in, we know who's in charge, we know who who issues fatal, it's centralized. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas the ulama of the dunya, they are decentralized, as in fiqh on this, as a whole is decentralized. There is no one person who's in charge of fiqh. Islam is decentralized. There's no one person in charge of al-Islam. Does that make sense? So this is an example of mm. something which is decentralized, as it's not, um, there's no centralized, there's no uh, single collection of people or one body that m- monitors and, and regulates that thing as opposed to um, something which is open to all. Now, if you look at Islam at the core, Islam is decentralized. As in, think about it. The Quran, it came down to Muhammad Sallallahu The first thing he did was to decentralize this Quran, spread it to as many people as possible, so that even if half the Sahaba was to die, 
it's still there. Mm. Same thing with the hadith. The hadith spread throughout the dunya. It, 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 the knowledge spread throughout the dunya to such a point that the destruction of knowledge becomes almost impossible. We have no single example of a piece of a part of history that is so well documented as that time in human history. Because Islam was decentralized. There wasn't say, it wasn't like, oh, oh Bakr, you're in charge of Quran and, and Umar, you're in charge of, of, of Sahih Hadith. And you, it, was, it wasn't like that. Everyone did their part to spread the knowledge that they had and to, and to convey the knowledge they had in a, in a manner which was decentralized. Um, and I guess one example today of kind of like, well, that's not really a good example. So ignore that. So yeah, that's, that's, that's I guess, my answer to your question. It wasn't mm. exactly answering your question directly, but yeah. um, uh, in terms of finance, uh, what they refer, normally would refer to as centralized finance, I go to the bank and the bank would finance my project. I give me money to fund yeah. my projects. Decentralized basically means I can go to a protocol instead and do the same thing. Um, a protocol protocol basically means like um, a set of rules and, and paradigms and, and, and programs that you can use and interact with not a person it's, it's a set of rules by the way guys let me just push these lights back because I think my, yeah, my, no worries, my clothes no is, is blown up a bit inshallah brother Gabriel you got a cab behind you? yeah yeah I've got, I got some lights I've got some lights behind me yeah. I got a cat you said? you got a cat? I think my cat was going somewhere yeah probably yeah. Going all over, breaking stuff. Why not? Gets upset. I'm not paying attention. Okay, so let me. Yeah, I have a quick question for Sheikh Muawiyah. You mentioned briefly, very briefly, that they both have their cons, right? Centralized and decentralized. So, do you want to quickly go over the pros and cons of each? So, I mean, when it comes to centralized, um, uh, decentralized finance or finance as a whole, Generally speaking, in the crypto space or non-crypto space, that basically means how can you, in a nutshell, not always, there are some avenues that are is within the banner of, of DeFi, they call it, but it's not what, not what this is. Essentially, how do you gain income? So, so one way is how can you gain a loan in your, on your crypto? You can put up some collateral and you get some extra money to spend. So there's one way of actually how you can get a loan and therefore you pay interest. And the other element is whereby you can um, have capital. You don't want a loan, but you want to increase the income on your capital. So I've got Bitcoin sitting there doing nothing. Well, it's not doing nothing. It's just, it's just doing what Bitcoin does, secures your wealth. But I want to now increase that Bitcoin. So that therefore, rather than just being one, now I have 1.1 and 1.2 and so on and so forth. Um, so DeFi... Uh, some parts of DeFi basically would mean that you provide collateral, you provide um, money to the protocol, to the system. That system now would take your capital and lend it out to others. And then when they want to pay the money back, you get a portion or cut of the money, the money earned. Now, how does it function? How do you lend out money on a, on a decentralized manner? What it normally do is through over collateralization, over collateralization in a bank they know where you live and you have legal documentation that you sign to make sure that if you don't pay it back you can get it mine back from some other way on the on the internet you don't have such a thing i mean you can get a loan and you can and you can be anonymous so how do they make sure you're going to pay your money back 
So again, this is to do with over collateralization. So what that means is I have one Bitcoin, but I don't want to sell my Bitcoin. I want to keep my Bitcoin. So I will deposit the Bitcoin into a protocol and they will give me fiat. They will give me dollars. But the amount of dollars that they will give me is actually less than the value of the Bitcoin. So Bitcoin right now is at $31,000 USD. So if I was to give deposit one Bitcoin into the exchange, I could probably take out $10,000 as, as, as a collateral on, uh, as, a, as, a, as a withdrawal of my Bitcoin. So my, I still have one Bitcoin, but it's locked in their contract. They're going to give me $10,000. Now I have to pay back $10,000 to get back my $32,000. So the question I guess some may be asking is, why would you even do that? <laughs> you just sell $10,000 worth of Bitcoin and uh, rather than go through this whole issue of, of loans and whatnot. Taxes. Like I said, you just, like I said to you, the system is built um, around uh, their corruption. So if you were to sell your Bitcoin, that essentially is a taxable event. That means you have to pay taxes on any gains you've made, whatever you want to call that, gains you made on your Bitcoin. And therefore, it would cost you more. So you could, in theory, lock up 10 Bitcoin. That's 300000 dollars and you can take out two hundred thousand dollars spend it on whatever you want to spend it on pay it back over time and still have your bitcoin and pay zero tax that's basically the reason why you would go on this this whole you know as, as they say in saudi scratching your left ear with your right hand from your behind your back is this whole um uh -huh. so is, is that a lot no. So um, any form, of, it's, it's basically it's riba. Because the thing is, to, to, even if you were to get that loan, that £10,000, when you pay it back, you pay back more. You pay back more than £10,000. Because that's, that's where the, the riba comes into it. Mm -hmm. Now, it would be halal if someone lent you £10,000 uh, and you used your one Bitcoin as, as, as it was called in Arabic, rahan, was a guarantee. Um, and then when you pay back the £10,000, you pay it back as it was £10,000, not extra. Then that's perfectly halal. There's nothing wrong with that. The only issue is that they've added onto it. They've added, on, added onto it. <clears throat> so um, due to that reason, it is haram. Now, if you live in El Salvador, then you can just spend your Bitcoin because El Salvador, Bitcoin is now money over there. It's now legal tender. So therefore, you, there's, there's no taxable event on spending your Bitcoin in Salvador. So maybe one day, inshallah, maybe even soon, you never know, uh, if Bitcoin gets accepted as currency and not an asset, then there's no need for this whole collateralization with your Bitcoin. You can just spend it as money, um, which may, and we hope so, inshallah, may be that the ironic byproduct of what El Salvador did because if, if once El Salvador finally finalized, I mean, they have finalized the law, it is now legal law, but they're going through the process of integrating into their economy or not. But once they finish that process, then other countries may be forced to recognize Bitcoin as currency. Because they can't just reject their currency, say it's not, it's not currency. I mean, they have the whole, the whole Forex industry 
is about trading foreign exchanges, foreign currencies. So if El Salvador has Bitcoin as legally their currency, then Bitcoin would essentially be, legally speaking, a foreign currency. Um, mm. But I think I think governments want to resist that because they they want their pound of flesh. They want to tax you at the end of the day. That, that's, that's what they want to do. So we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. We got we got this year. The long it's, it's very new news, and mm. there are other countries that are announcing they're going to do the same as in Salvador. So if if at least two, three, or four countries do exactly the same, then I think it'd be very difficult for other countries to say no. It's not currency; it's an asset. When you know, multiple countries are taking it as their currency. It'd be really, it'd be really weird, um, but it is what it is. Okay, I have a Sheikh. I have a very important question here. With just because you you got into that collateral and all that, but is it like halal haram for one to use basically what's called uh, staking features available in cryptocurrencies? Like for example, like I think there's you know some people don't know that there's other crypto other than Bitcoin, but for example, like Cardano you can have like um, holders stake their tokens, which makes you like a node to help transactions on the network. <clears throat> so basically you get rewarded in tokens on a percentage basis. Is that accepted? Is that halal? I think it's called so, staking. Yeah. So basically, for, again, so for those who, who probably are new to all of this, um, Bitcoin is a decentralized monetary network. It's a network whereby people can transact value, they can exchange value in a manner that doesn't require any authority um, to manage it or to make it happen. The only thing that, that regulates and, can, and makes sure that things function is mathematics. The whole system of Bitcoin works on mathematical principles as it's programmed inside the source code of Bitcoin. Now, people think, that, think of Bitcoin as being nothing, as in, what is it, just numbers, as they say, just, just numbers. Um, but what they don't realize is how these numbers came to existence. And it's a bit weird, I mean, what do you mean how these numbers come to existence? I mean, even numbers itself is very abstract. I mean, has anyone here held one? Or, no. or one, one dollar. No, 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 just no, one. no, just just the one. Just the number one. No. Oh, nah, nah. I don't think anyone has. Yeah, because it's, it's abstract. It's, it's, it's an idea. It's it's not a thing. There is one of things, but the actual number one, is abstract. It's an idea. Even in mathematics, there's actually a debate if, uh, going back as far as Aristotle and Plato and what, whether numbers actually exist, and it's. it's, it's you think these, these, these questions, we don't even ask that kind of thing. But yeah, they said, do numbers even exist? But yeah, anyway, so um, if Bitcoin is not physical, and now I say one, two, three, four, a million, two, two million Bitcoin, what are they? Well, Bitcoin, I would say easily, is the first time in the history of mankind. I think it's safe to say the first time in the history of mankind we've actually had scarcity in something that is not tangible is not physical let me explain to you so here is um airpods you know apple airpods and um i have this you don't have it now if i was to give it to you i no longer have it so scarcity exists in the physics 
I mean, if this occupies space, and if I move, to, if I move, if I move in one space to another space, it's now somewhere else. So that's how, that's kind of the reason why we've had money in the first place is to materialize the idea of value because value again is like numbers. It doesn't you can't grab a value. We can perceive value, we can perceive value, but you can't grab it. But if I manifest that value in a thing, now you can grab it. So the way Bitcoin works is that in order to get these numbers, you actually have to do physical work. You have to do something. I mean, you can, even, you can even ride a bike. You can even get a bike and ride a bike, have the wheels turn a turbine and generate electricity and use that electricity to mine Bitcoin. And then if you were to mine Bitcoin, essentially that physical exercise you're doing to mine Bitcoin has now become a Bitcoin. Now, is you know, I've just said that Bitcoin comes from physical activity. Uh, how, how do you prove that? Prove that, brother. Prove it. Because you can't get Bitcoin without it. As you've, you've, you've intrinsically woven the physical actions of the dunya mm. into this into this number, yeah. And that's what my that's what that was reality. Why gold and silver and other forms of money in the past existed because they were they were physical manifestations of work you had to go to a mountain you had to mine the gold the silver smelt it separate it clean it fashion it all that takes work and that is the value contained within that gold that's that's mm. how you value it so you've manifested work into a physical thing of gold likewise you can manifest work into bitcoin but it's the first time you've ever done that on something that you can't grab on in, on knowledge bitcoin is knowledge it's actually knowledge it's information but it's scarce information all information before bitcoin wasn't wasn't scarce you could copy and paste it a million times there's no scarcity in it but bitcoin was the first time to do that but then uh so that's so that's so that's the origin of bitcoin work so next time someone says to you oh bitcoin is nothing say no 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 it isn't nothing it's something <laughs> <laughs> as for staking that is something else that's actually very circular in its in what it is so look you mentioned someone mentioned cardano for example okay how do you get cardano so let's 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 do a thought experiment we are now going to launch the cardano network from scratch yeah it doesn't it doesn't exist the whole network doesn't exist we've got the code now we're going to launch the network. Babe, how do we mine coins on Cardano? Through staking. Great. What are we going to stake? ADA, which is the name or ticker or, of, or ADA of Cardano coin. Okay, great. But how do I get these ADA if I don't, if I, if I don't mine yet? You see how circular it is? I can't actually mine ADA. Sorry, sorry, I can't mine ADA unless I stake it. And I can't stake it unless I mine it. You see how, how circular it is? Its existence right. depends on itself. Okay. So it's like, it's like saying, my dad is my son. It's, it's circular because my, my son can only come from me and I can only come from my dad. But my dad can only come from me. It's circular. So at some stage, you're going to have to 
tricked Ada out of nothing. You're making mm. this sound like the Trinity. you know what you know know, it's funny you mentioned that because um i have used that argument with christians in the past um when they say to me that uh why can't god have a son i said you know what if god had a son that would mean that his son is another copy of himself as in all children are the same as their parent i mean no one gives a dog doesn't give birth to a cat a dog gives birth to another dog. So if Allah had a son, that would mean his son would be like himself. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. We can, we can agree on that. But inherently in that, that son had a beginning. As in, there was a moment when it didn't exist, and now it exists. So if the father's like the son, and son's like the father, that means both son and father are created. Because... You know what I'm saying? Got if the son had a beginning <clears throat> and the father is the same as the son, that means the father has to have a son. And that's why inherently something that is not created can't have children or offspring because that would, in, that would necessitate that it also created. It's circular. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've gone yeah. a bit off tangent, but, right. that, but that's essentially if Ada. Ada, in order to stake Ada, you have to print Ada. Out of thin air. So therefore, what's the value of ADA? I can tell you the value of Bitcoin is just the work I put into it. That's a lot of work. I've got um, the mining rigs. I've got burning electricity. I've got, I've got to do something. What's the value of ADA? I just printed it. So essentially, ADA, at the core of ADA, is the same as fiat, the same as dollars mm. and, and, and pounds. Someone decided to just print off a certain amount and... This is where you have another problem, an ethical problem, maybe even an Islamic problem. There was one guy actually tried to make an argument against Bitcoin. And he said at a point, he said, oh, um, governments should um, print money fairly um, and it shouldn't be created by miners. That was some kind of argument like that. The problem with printing money is that as soon as you print it, who owns it? Listen carefully. The moment someone prints money, who owns that money? Government. Because whoever, whoever gets that money first, the question is, why did they get that money? Who, why, why would it be fair that someone gets to print money and other don't get to print money? You see, inherently in a system is dhulm. Mm. I can just print money because I want to. Because what? Mm. I can become rich at the expense of you. Which is in contrast to, to Bitcoin, even Satoshi himself, when he launched the Bitcoin network, he didn't issue himself Bitcoin. He mined it like anyone else. So the same amount of work that he put into getting Bitcoins he had, which is, by the way, he's never used, is the same amount of work others put into it. Does it make sense? So that is, that is, in essence, a fair system. Everyone who gets it or who mines it deserves it because they put the effort, they put the work into it and they got it. So back to the issue of staking. So in ADA, the big contrast between staking systems and uh, Bitcoin type systems, which is called proof of work. So here's the two words I'm going to give teach the new guys here watching. We have, we have something called proof of work. What's the proof you have? What's the delil? What's the proof you have that you deserve that thing? What's your proof? What's your delil? You've got gold. You've got silver. Prove you deserve it. 
اظن كان يم كيسيمي يا سوري سمون كول مي ادون وات مي بوت ماي فون ماكو ثينغ اون ام دو نوت ديستاب مود يا ام سو بروف ذات يو يو ديزيرف ذات ثينغ ذا بروف از ذا اي وينت تو ذا ماونتن اي مايند جولد اوت تو ذا ماونتن اي وركت هارد داي ان داي اوت ناو اي جوت ماي بروف اوف ماي اونرشيب اي ارند ات ذات بروف ماي ويجز اند ذس از ات ذا كور اوف ايفريثينغ ان اسلام ثينك اباوت نيم مي ا ترانزاكشن in islam that is halal except that at some point there is proof of work as in mm. even uh wages when you get paid wages from your employee what's your proof i came in nine to five i did the work i got i, I deserve the work mm. you know anything even if you look at the contrast what look at the transactions that are haram even look at the transactions that are haram you can almost see almost at the core of it that you haven't proven you earned it And like riba like, pop, like riba you didn't do anything but you've guaranteed income how why 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 did why did why did you deserve that what because you are rich so you can see here that we see in islam we have a contrast those who earn money because of status or those who earn money because of work mm. so when it comes to bitcoin when you earn bitcoin through mining you work for it and you earn it or you go out and get a job and then you go and get paid in bitcoins you've earned it with staking on the other hand just because you're rich you get more money so you can see how ethically from a design perspective they're very different and you so can't compare halal no 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 i didn't say that mm. i'm saying ethically one is based on islamic foundational principles and yeah. the other one is very similar to what do you reckon printing I'm actually, money I'm actually, printing money but what else you've got money and because you have money now you're going to get more money what does that sound like to you zulm riba riba it sounds like riba i mean it isn't riba i explain why it isn't but fundamentally in principle it seems though just because you get money you get more money mm-hmm. and those who have more money will essentially get more money so we see that in riba those who have large amounts of money if you allow riba in the society money trickles up towards them because the more money right. they have the more money they can make and it trickles mm. upwards in islam it doesn't money trickles downwards through zakah those who have lots of money they they they, they it's like it's almost like you have a hole in your bucket of of 2.5% every person who has money they have a hole in their bucket of 2.5% every year it trickles upwards down to the people at the bottom so money comes downwards whereas um in this in, in riba it goes upwards so um in principle and like i said this this is just my ethical argument from islam perspective in principle staking resembles riba but why is it not riba okay riba requires a loan and in this case here there is no loan no one is taking money and no one has to pay you back money on interest the way it works is that you lock your fees your money into uh, a contract and the amount of money you have in a contract determines um how many transactions you can validate because remember all these systems about is a monetary system people make transactions all the time who regulates and signs off on these transactions it's the network it does it who who literally who's the next person in line to validate the next block 
in Bitcoin is down to work. Whoever finds the special number, the nonce, they have earned the right to, to, to sign a transaction and to earn Bitcoin. When the staking is based on the amount of uh, money you've staked in the network. So the more money you stake, the more likely you are to get the right to sign the transaction. So there is, in that respect, some element of work where you are signing transactions. So I'm not going to say it's, it's totally devoid of any work. Um, it's just that um, the basis of that is the amount of money you have. So that's, in a nutshell, what proof of uh, stake is, which is what IDA does, compared to proof of work, which is what Bitcoin does. Bitcoin's, your proof you earn something is the work you did in it, mathematical work and effort you've done into it. Whereas an ADA is based on how much money you staked. So is it halal? Yes, it is. Um, the only issue I would, I would only issue I would say then is that why would you want to stake and earn money through uh, in an inferior currency rather than a superior one? If you, if I was to give you a choice to say which one, which currency is more fair in terms of existence, what is more in line with Islamic ethics? I'm sure you guys would agree with me that Bitcoin is more in line with what Islam dictates as what is what is good earnings and tayyib earnings as opposed to that one. I'm not saying that one is the aid is haram, I'm just saying that one is Pashnavam. But as for as for the staking, that's what it is. So one last point though, I, know, I do I do go on a bit, go on a bit. Let's ask ourselves why are people why do are people showing an interest in ADA and staking? And not and you'll find the same amount of interest for mining. Have you ever asked that question? Like why not why are people not interested in mining Bitcoin, but are interested in staking ADA? Lots of people. It's the same reason why the rich are happy to give you a loan. I'm not happy to go out and work. It's the same, it's the same principle. It's non different. It's the exact same thing. One, you earn money by just having money. And the other, you have to actually do something. And again, if I want to be a Bitcoin miner, actually someone just asked me this yesterday, actually, who wants to mine uh, Bitcoin. And I explained to him, first thing you have to go and get and buy a mining rig. Mm. So yeah, that, that, that already means, you're already we're talking about capital investment already. We haven't even started that. We were talking about capital investment. Then you've got to pay for internet access, which isn't much, but you've got, you've got to have internet access. Then you've got to have electricity. You've got to pay for electricity. Uh, and then we did the maths and worked out that if you buy an S, S17 at Miner, which is like a, a mining rig, which costs about, I think, $7,000, it will take you about a year to make back your money on your investment. And then after that year, all the money you're making is profit, obviously, because you paid for your initial capital. So you can see here already, it's very much in line with actual tijara. Go out, make effort, do the hard graft, and inshallah, Allah will give you the, the risk. Mm. Whereas ADA, just go to Coinbase, go to Binance, buy <laughs> some ADA, transfer it to another contract, stake it, and then yeah, you go, khalas. I've made money. Mm. See, see the difference. The difference is, ethically speaking, one is through work and the other one is not through work necessarily. So that's 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 mm. two things. But it, but it's not riba, by the way. It's just mm. um, riba. There are ways to riba 
on, on crypto, but that's not one way to do it. So that's proof of stake as it is to the protocol. So that's your Ethereum at some point when it does move to proof of stake. At the moment, Ethereum is proof of work. So Ethereum is a funny one because Ethereum used to be proof of work. We actually have to do work. And now it's moving to proof of stake. So even Ethereum that exists right now came through work. And now they're going to transition that those coins that actually were from work into this whole staking thing. Um, but in, ironically, although Ethereum is proof of work, it also had what's called a pre-mine. A pre-mine basically means the coins that the developers or the founders issued themselves before they even launched the network. That's called a pre-mine. And it's another one of those red flags of what is a scammy kind of system coin that basically enriches those who made it or a fair coin that wants to launch a network free to everyone to use. Bitcoin had no, free, had no pre-mine. Anyone who has Bitcoin earned it. Whereas Ethereum, and this one might, might shock you guys, 60%, 60% of all Ethereum coins that, have ever, that, ever, that exist right now came from that pre-mine. Hmm. Did, did you guys know that one? No. So Vitalik, Vitalik Buterin and, his, and, and other developers, they have, to this day, the majority of all Ethereum that exists. Subhanallah. So mm. essentially, if we use Ethereum and it becomes a, it becomes a system that is preferred and gets increased in value, who's really becoming benefited from that? Me and you or them? Them, yeah. So mm. anyway, so that's, so yeah, but anyway, so those, those coins are uh, proof of stake. So Ethereum is one of them. Ada is another one. Um, Trezor, I think, is another one. Um, Polkadot is another one. These are all protocols that exist um, uh, on proof of stake. Then you have those that are, are proof of work, like Bitcoin and, uh, and Litecoin and some other coins like that. Um, but then you have staking, which is not like this. Because mm. the word staking is a very big term. Some of that term refers to what I just, just spent a whole half an hour explaining to you. Another type of staking refers to um, literally a loan. It is literally almost like a loan. Um, so, for example, have you guys heard of a, of a system called Crypto.com? Mm. So they have like a, a, a debit card. They can you can put you can put money on it and you can spend it, but it's like a deb, crypto debit card. So with them. You can stake money on their network and earn money on your stake. But that is 100% riba. Because with that stake that you're giving them, they're using that to go and give loans to other people. Mm. And when they earn interest on loans, they give you a portion of that loan. But the thing is, they call it staking as well. You see what staking mm-hmm. is, a, is a bit of a... It's a weird one because it, 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 refers to, it refers to so many... It's things. an overarching term, yeah. Yeah, mm. and one last of example of staking, which sometimes people use as staking. It's not really staking, but it is kind of staking. Um, and that is providing liquidity to systems to provide to perform a certain task. So have you guys heard of something called an automatic market maker? No. Okay, so if I want to go, if I, wanna, if I have Ethereum and I want to exchange that Ethereum for... Uh, let's just say mana, which is from Decentraland. So I have Ethereum. I want to sell the Ethereum and get back mana. 
I can just go to Binance, deposit my Ethereum on Binance, go and press sell and then buy and whatever and get my mana and then I can withdraw my mana. That's through a centralized system, meaning that someone owns a system, i.e. CZ for, for Binance or not. But there's something called a, uh, a, 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 a decentralized exchange or DEX. And essentially what it is is that it's not, no one owns the system. It's just a, it's just a contract on Ethereum. And the contract itself does, does the swap. So you send your money to the contract and the contract gives you back mana. So it's not a person. No one owns it. It's just a contract in the network. You can launch a contract and anyone can just use the contract. I can't control you. I can't stop you. You could be a criminal. You could be, the, you could be anyone. You can use it. I can't stop you. Now, if I send Ethereum to that contract, where does the mana come from? It comes from people like me and you who want to earn some money on our Ethereum and our mana. We provide liquidity. So we deposit our Ethereum and our mana, both equal share, into mm. the contract and we leave it in there. Me and thousands of other people do it. Now, if you want to go on and sell your Ethereum and get back mana, that contract will just absorb your Ethereum and give you some of that mana and take a small fee. That small fee, some of it will go to you because you provide the liquidity. So that essentially is, if you want to, if you want to draw a parallel, it's almost like um, an ex a, a currency exchange. You know, outside, you've got Haram Mecca, you've got outside, you see those guys, you give them your pounds and, and you get reals. Right. Yeah. So imagine, imagine you went to them one day and said, look, I want to I make some money. Here's, some, here's a bag of money different currencies, you can use it to do your tijar. Just give me some, a cut of the, of the sub, a cut of the exchange. So that's providing liquidity. Some may call it staking. It isn't really staking, but some may call it staking. But it, see, it looks like staking in the sense that you're giving money to someone and you're getting, right. you still have your money, but you're getting back profit uh, as a result. The only difference in this case is, imagine I gave 10 Ethereum and 10 mana when I take my money out, I might get 11 Ethereum and nine mana. Because the value of mana and Ethereum differs. And your stake will always have to be this equal in value. So the, if the value of mana goes up, you have to, you have to rebalance your stake. It makes sense. So you might end up losing more or less. So it's the same thing, same kind of thing in terms of thing. Uh -huh. So that's, that, that is halal. That is fully halal. That's basically like Masharaka, um, you're doing business with them. You're doing business right. with the with the contracts, and the reason why, one of the reasons why that is halal is because you could also lose money. Because remember, mm. you're, you're you're providing value, and that value changes. Mana goes up, Ethereum goes down, and you're getting back a certain different one, different amount, different amount. Mm. So there is there is risk of loss in that transaction, like all business, and that's that's essentially what what makes it what it is. That was a very 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 long answer. I know. I'm sorry, Len. Mashallah. That was good. I know, I, know, I know the next one is definitely, you know, it deserves its own episode. But for the sake of time, you know, just for a brief introduction, what are markets? So what are, you know, bull markets, bear markets? How do those work? What are we currently in? Because a lot of people invested in Bitcoin with the hype. Now it's not doing, you know, so well. And they're like, what happened to my money? Yeah, so... This is why I'm always telling people, and I think you, especially for you guys, when you speak to the Shabab, the Ute, when you speak to the Ute, you should tell them um, that Bitcoin shouldn't be treated like, like an asset to be traded. So let me give you a scenario, yeah? 
you're living in Bangladesh and you have Bangladeshi Dakas. Now, you know, the currency of Bangladesh isn't that great and the value of it might go up, might go down. You might, you might go down a lot. You like, like what happened in Lebanon. Lebanon, they lost more than 50% in a day. They're just gone of, the, of its purchasing power. So some countries have some, you know, it's not great. So what some people may do, especially, especially the rich, those who have money, what they will do is they'll keep their money in dollars. Now, they won't say I'm trading dollars. They'll just keep the money in dollars because it's more uh, stable. It's more what they want uh, and they trust it more. Okay. Um, likewise, yeah. So now we come to the issue of, of our current money. We have fiat, whether it be dollars, pounds, or ringgits, ringgits for those in, in Malaysia. So you have those of us who have our fiat, you have a choice. You can keep your wealth in a currency that we all know with surety and no ambiguity that is losing value every year. Every single year, it's losing value. And especially now with COVID, the amount of value is going to be losing, it's probably going to grow even more than it was before. We already know this. So where would you park your capital to keep it safe? Would you just leave it in the fiat and say, I'll, I'll go down with the ship? <laughs> or are you going to jump ship and put your money into something which is better than what it is before? Now, no doubt, the strongest currency today in this uh, fiat currency in this world is the dollar. No one denies that. Yeah. But we also know that 40%, listen carefully, 40% of all the dollars I've ever been printed in the history of dollars was printed last year. <laughs> so if you want, if, you, if, you, if you're buying Bitcoin because you want to get more dollars, then I would say, what's wrong with you, brother? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Why, why do you want dollars? It's about changing your mindset. It's not about thinking, oh, Bitcoin's going to make me rich. Actually, no, Bitcoin's going to not make you poor. Think of it this way. This is, this is what you need to start thinking. Where can I allocate my capital so that, number one, I can evade, uh, uh, um, avoid the, what's going to come, which we all, we all agree is going to come. Number two, you have full control over it. No one can take it from you. No one can steal it from you. You can transact to whoever you want. I can send all of you guys here. I can send you Bitcoin right now. I've done it before. We had, I had a, a podcast with Freshly Grounded and I sent him Bitcoin during the podcast. So it's like, it's like that, I give him Bitcoin. Can you do that with you? Can I just send you money like that? Without you, without, take you out, and then they'll ask you, oh, where is it coming from and why is it coming to Malaysia or well, Canada? Or all these questions and whatnot. Bitcoin. It's going to take a few days, bro, to set that up. Hmm. So what I'm saying is this, the Shabab, they need to educate themselves as to why they need Bitcoin before they start thinking about how oh, I want to make this money, that money. Think mm -hmm. about this. Educate yourself. Why do you need Bitcoin? And the thing is, if you understand the virtue of Bitcoin, then when the price of Bitcoin in relation to the dollars goes down, your mindset will change. Rather than thinking, oh, I'm losing dollars, you start thinking to yourself, oh, wait, I've got a discount. I can get cheap Bitcoin. You see the difference? Mm -hmm. There's difference. 
One person sees opportunity, one person sees loss. And that opportunity and that loss comes purely from his ideology. One person sees Bitcoin as just a tradable thing you get in and out and then you dash to the side. Another person sees Bitcoin, sees, sees Bitcoin as, his, as a safe haven, as something that's going to be the future. And he wants to get as much as he can of that future. So, I mean, at the end of the day, any, any, anyone in the Shabab, just go, if they're really that worried, go and, go and look at the price of Bitcoin since 2012. It's, we have, we've not seen anything it hasn't done before. I mean, I've been in the space in 2017. I've seen Bitcoin uh, go down from 20,000 down to three. This is nothing. This is what's happening now is nothing. That's why us, us old, us, us um, old school guys, we like laugh when it goes down. Like, yeah, this is this is this is great. And all the newbies are like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I'm like, sell what? You should be, you should be buying, brother. What are you talking about? Hmm. If you're serious about your future, you should be buying, not selling. But again, not financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> It's entirely up to Inshallah. you, but I, 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 that's the way I see it. As for the other question about the altcoins, that's another question because no one buys an altcoin for the future. If you only buy mm. altcoin mm. just to make money, it has no function. Ethereum, Cardano, Doge, be honest with you, no one really wants Cardano or Doge. They only want to get the gains that they expect from it. Whereas Bitcoin, there are millions of people who want Bitcoin. They don't care if it's going up, the coins go down, they want Bitcoin because they realize that Bitcoin is the future. That's the major difference between Bitcoin and all these other coins. Remember that one. Um, and what's my proof? Whenever Bitcoin, I mean, look what happened now. If other coins meant anything to anyone, they'll be going up even though Bitcoin's going down. Remember that. Listen carefully. If any coin meant anything to anyone, they will be going up whilst Bitcoin is still going down. But notice, whenever Bitcoin goes down, everyone goes down. Because it actually reveals the secret in the market. And the secret is, no one really wants those coins. Mm. That's why they're called shit coins. People say that. <laughs> because no one, no one wants those coins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when things go down, when, when, things get, when, the market, when the market gets really heated and people get scared, they rush to safety. What does that mean? Selling your, your, your coins and going back to Bitcoin or, or even dollars, but they don't really want those other coins. Remember that. So, uh, as for the issue of bear market, bull market doesn't know what the problem mentioned. A bear market it's just a term. Um, the term bull market comes from the way that bulls attack, they attack with their head going this way, they, they flip you into the sky. So, bulls push the price up, whereas bears they attack with their claws, so they strike you down. So bears push the price down. So whenever, if someone, if someone expects the market, market to go down, they're called bears. And if someone expects the market to go up, they're called bulls. So if there's more bulls than there are bears, the price goes up. If there are more bears than there are bulls, the price goes down. So a bull market is a market where the bulls are in control. And the bear market is a market where the bears are in control. Mm-hmm. And they are selling <laughs> So, Sheikh, from your, from your certified technical analysis, which would not be financial advice, just quick disclaimer, would you say that there's a, there's a bull market coming? See, um, again, 
for those who I don't, for, I'm sure what I've said is probably a lot for, a lot of, for those, anyone who's probably new to this space, but um, the market moves in cycles of four years. And there's a reason for that due to what's called the halvening or the Bitcoin mm-hmm. halvening. The amount of Bitcoins issued into the market halves every four years. When that halves, the supply or the amount of Bitcoins coming into the market is cut whilst the demand is technically the same. And anyone knows about markets, we have supply and demand. If there's more people wanting and there's not many supply there available, the price gets bidded up. We're seeing that right now with our, with our goods and when we go to shopping. Things in the shop much is in, the, in the supermarkets are going up because the, the demand is there, but the supply isn't. Or whatever it has to be. Anyway, um, so every four years, the supply is cut. And then because of that, eventually the price of Bitcoin moves up to match the supply and the demand. So you have this more, so Bitcoin goes up and it stabilizes. And then next four years, it goes up more and it stabilizes and so on and so forth. And that's why I'm saying to you about the other coins don't matter because those other coins only do well when Bitcoin does well. If Bitcoin is doing sideways or going down even, they all go, they all um, crack the bed, all of them. Even Ethereum, everyone loves Ethereum. Did you know that Ethereum lost about 85% of its value in Bitcoin value, not not even in dollar value, in Bitcoin value, during the, the, the previous bear market. That means literally if you held on to Bitcoin, so, so imagine you had one Bitcoin. Yes, the two guys. One guy's got one Bitcoin. Another guy's got one Bitcoin's worth of Ethereum. That means that by the end of the bear market, the first guy still got one Bitcoin, but the second guy now has 0.1 Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So he's lost 0.9 of his Bitcoin. He's lost. Because Ethereum is doing lots of, Ethereum is Ethereum, but compared to Bitcoin, people want Bitcoin. That's just reality. Um, until the day when another coin starts acting independent of Bitcoin, they're all rubbish. <laughs> and ethically speaking, I think that's, that, that's actually one of, the, one of the things. I think, you know, you guys probably heard of someone, someone called Michael Saylor. He's launched, he's used on his website called hope.com. And he made that basically website about teaching about Bitcoin. And it's very, it's, it's very nice sentiment because Bitcoin is literally hope. If you look, compare a person who, who, who likes Bitcoin and a person who likes gold, they have two different mindsets, two different mentalities. A person mm-hmm. who likes Bitcoin is optimistic of the future. He wants good for the future. He's looking at something, a brighter future where the world would be better. If you look at someone who likes gold, they tend to be a person who is very pessimistic. You know, the world's going to go to, it's going to be a crash. It's going to, everyone's going to die. We're going to return back to um, swords and bows and arrows again. So it's a very different view. Mindset is very different. Bitcoin is optimism. It's hope that the future is going to be better because it was launched fairly. It's mined fairly and it's distributed fairly as opposed to the, as opposed to the other. So in terms of the bull market, bear market, is there going to be a bull market? So right now we had the halving in last year, May was. So now it's been one year. Generally speaking, due to the two previous bull markets, these markets, uh, if markets usually last about a year and a half. So if the if history is uh, a measure of anything, which is never usually uh, proof of anything, but if if the now is an act like it has before, then we've got another six to eight months left uh, mm. in the bull market. Um, so just 
you know, I would say to people, I would say to people, if, if you're interested in the future, stick to DCA. And DCA basically means dollar cost averaging, which basically means set yourself a schedule. I can, I make, for example, I earn 2,000 pounds a month. I spend about 1,500 a month on living. I may, I may spend 250 on gadgets and whatnot. I got 250 left every month. So that 250 that I'm not going to spend on anything special, I'm going to put that aside of my savings into Bitcoin every month. Every month, 250. Every month, 250. Regardless, being Bitcoin goes up, Bitcoin goes down, 250, 250, 250. If you keep that up for at least four to five years, inshallah, I guarantee, well, I can't guarantee anything, but if history is anything, you should be better off than you are now. Um, as opposed to saving it in pounds, if you're losing about five to ten percent a year. That's up to you. But um, okay. but don't don't try and time the market. Don't try and gamble the market. Don't try and get in here and get in. Just stick to your schedule. The fifth of every month to fifty or one hundred or fifty quid, whatever you can afford. That's expend. You don't you don't need to use it for the next five years. Just do that. And I I I, I would I, I can even say, and Allah knows best. Uh, if you're in like a country like England or America and you can, and you can afford about 250 a month or maybe 300 a month, probably in five years' time, you'll probably, probably be able to, be able to buy a house outright in maybe Malaysia or Turkey or anything like that. Easily. Easily. It's not difficult. Um, so, yeah, change your perception, tame, change your time preference. Don't chase the quick, the quick uh, turnover. There's no such thing as easy money. Money takes time and hard work. So yeah, that's, that's my rant over. Mm -hmm. Talk too much, I know. Where can where can people find more of you if they want to see some videos? So, yeah, we've got a website called cryptohashreview.com. Um, uh, I haven't updated it recently, so there's a lot of things on there on on, on our YouTube channel that I haven't put on the website yet. But yeah, most of our a lot of our videos that are there. Uh, on YouTube or you know, on YouTube on there, we have like over 130 videos on crypto and Bitcoin. Not really crypto, but Bitcoin. Um, how it works, how it functions, how it, you know everything. And more importantly, is some those who are interested about the halal, the haram. We have we have literally we have about 54 videos establishing the halal case for Bitcoin. So if anyone wants to say that Bitcoin is haram, go for those videos and then awesome. please refute me. I beg. Qasim Billah, Allah is my witness. I want someone to come and actually answer the, the, the videos I have because I've challenged in a nice way, not, not, in, a, not in an arrogant way, just a nice way. I've, I've approached so many people who said it's haram. I said, look, let's discuss this. And they've all refused. I'm waiting for someone to, to actually just answer the question. <laughs> the, reason I say, the reason I say it is because so many people have been put off by these fatawa that is haram and they have not, no one's brought any evidence. And, it's, and in Islam, as you know, everything is halal. Until you bring evidence. Except, uh, yeah, so sorry. where's the evidence? So I want sorry. I want someone to go to my videos and pick everything, find fault, and bring it to me, inshallah, so we can all both benefit. I'll, I'll have to benefit myself. Benefit I'm misunderstood. There you go, Fayad. <laughs> That's the one. Brother, at the bottom, you haven't said anything, bro, the whole time. <laughs> the YouTube guy. We're, we're, we're learning, bro. You're talking about fire? <laughs> no, you. You are oh, you, bro. I said I said a lot. What are you talking about? I said a lot <laughs> in my he's, head, he's bro. He's absorbing, bro. <laughs> no, but this is good stuff. Like, I have a question. I actually have multiple questions, but 
Go I mean, on, ask, ask one, ask one, ask one. Just ask one quick one. Okay. All right. So one question that I have, because you were kind of talking about that uh, Bitcoin, if you try to take out Bitcoin, then it's, it's taxable. They're going to tax you for it. Now, you said they have the thing where you can move it over and you have like, I think it was uh, the, the debit card or credit card or something like that. Where it moves uh, your coins, yeah, your crypto into something that you could use. Now, how would someone actually get this money out without being taxed besides what you mentioned of using it as a, a financial type thing in um, El Salvador? Very, very good question. Very good question. So, um, and this one, inshallah, I think Sheikh uh, from Romani will hopefully appreciate as well. Um, so basically, what I've often said to people is that I think this is, and I would love for this to, to manifest in a real way. I think Bitcoin not only is an avenue, an opportunity for us to escape riba, but is also a big avenue for us to make hijrah. Mm. Listen carefully. If you're in Canada or you're in the UK or you're in France and you just and you just wish you could make hijrah, DCA Bitcoin. Dollar cost average your Bitcoin. Spend at least four years saving whatever you can in Bitcoin every month, every two weeks, whatever. Buy your Bitcoin. Don't don't look at the price. Don't follow this never. Don't chase this scam here and that scam coin there. Just just DCA Bitcoin. And then at the end of your fourth to five, fourth to fifth year. I think you should have enough money to just leave the land you are. You can buy in Turkey, you can buy property for about, wait, if you bought something that was about $250,000, uh, not only you have a property, you have passport. That, that, yeah, that, 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 that completes your, your hijra in that regards. Or you can just buy a small flat, $80,000. You can buy a flat, it's yours. You won't, get, you, won't get citizenship, you won't get citizenship, but you can still live there. Yeah. And with the remaining money you have there, you could, in theory, if you've managed your, fund, your funds properly, you could actually live off the rest of your money on Bitcoin for over, over, over a decade. I'm sure you're not going to do that. We're going to do business or not, but I'm saying you could still set up yourself and your family outside your country. And that actually does solve your issue of taxes because you're no longer in your taxable environment. For example, if you're in Malaysia, for example, Malaysia doesn't tax crypto. There's no tax on Bitcoin in, in Malaysia. Again, there's no tax on income from abroad in Malaysia. Or for example, in, uh, in, uh, in Turkey. I mean, if you left your country, you can find avenues to avoid and or even reduce your taxes um, to a larger degree. So what I'd suggest is not to think about how can I get lots of money and buy a nice house in, in London or what? Forget London, brother. This is your ticket. Your ticket to live with the Muslims. I mean, you could even go to Dubai. Dubai is one of the easiest places to go to and it's practically tax-free. You can go to Bahrain, open a business in Bahrain and that's it, you can stay there indefinitely. You can go to Egypt. There's so many places you could go but if you have a good wad of cash in Bitcoin, I am telling you, all that's, all that's left for you to do is book your flights and say ma'asalama. Because no one can stop you from going where you need to go. You have to worry about uh, transferring from one bank account in one country. You literally just go with the money on your phone. That's it. Hmm. It's gone. 
So literally hedging the money. Okay, so if if I were to go to Malaysia, and let's say I had uh, figuratively speaking, fifty thousand dollars in Bitcoin, I could take out that fifty thousand dollars without any taxation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so are you American or are you Canadian? I'm in America right now. Yeah. But are you American? American, yes. Okay, then you got problems. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. That's what I'm trying to ask. Come on. Uh, now. I, 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 the only reason my only reason I got problems is because America is the only country in the world that taxes you right wherever you are. Mm-hmm. So even if you lived all your life in Australia or Malaysia or UAE, you still get taxed. The only way to avoid that is to renounce your citizenship. I'm about to renounce it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, um, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not saying you must do anything, but I'm saying that the only real, the only way you can feasibly do make such make such a step is if you have the capital to keep you going wherever you need to go. You can't go to another country as a poor man and say I'm gonna renounce and you, mm-hmm. you're gonna be you're gonna be you're gonna be stuck. You mm-hmm. have to have a plan. But a major, like, like, like what the Sheikh began, uh, the whole, this whole discussion was that many Muslims, they stigmatize the wealth. And what we're trying to say here is that wealth is a ticket to ibadah. How can you worship Allah at least openly? One of the ways to do that is with man. If you're poor and living in London, if you're poor and living in, in New York, if you're poor and living in Toronto, you are finished. There's nothing you can do about it. You're stuck. If you have money, you have options. That's why people need to equate money is options. Money is opportunity. Money, money is irada. It's what you want to do. Money allows you to manifest what you want. I want to leave the United States. How do I leave the United States? With money. With dua, primarily. Not denying that one. I have Allah's help. I'm saying that money is a means to manifest your irada. Manifest what you want. So once you have that money... Then we can talk about avenues where you could go, how to renounce your citizenship, how to get other citizenships. These things are easy. These things are easy to do, but they're not even on the table without the mal. It's not even an option. You can't even talk about it without the mal. Facts. Yeah. So I'm saying that Bitcoin is your hijra pot. If you if 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 the shabab out there change their mindset away from making a quick buck, they're not saying hijra. I want to enact this ibadah of living with Muslimin. How can I do so? I'm going to use Bitcoin as my avenue. Save up little by little, learn about the space, maybe even make, maybe even make a business on Bitcoin. Maybe Surprise. online business, online teaching, get paid in Bitcoin. And then when I'm ready, I go. And the thing is, because you built your business on Bitcoin, that means your business goes wherever you go. Because Bitcoin is everywhere. You don't have to change anything. You just continue. Bro, if you're on the plane leaving and you're still earning, call us. So back to the issue of spending, how do you spend your Bitcoin? Then, yeah, if you, if you, want, if you want to go with the full whack and live on Bitcoin, then you will have to pay um, taxes while you're spending it. But the thing is, if you're on spending living expenses, you won't, you're not going to be making lots of money. I mean, you only, you only pay taxes on the profit you make. So if you live in, if you're spending about 20,000, 30,000 a year on living expenses, how much of that money you're spending on living expenses is actually profit? Maybe a quarter, a third, let's say a third of that. That's 10,000 pounds profit. So in my country, in London, you have a threshold of about 12,000 pounds 
of non-taxable profit. If you make profit less than that, non-taxable. So if that's your threshold, then even if you're making, even if you're spending your Bitcoin and you're making profit, it's not taxable because it's not above that threshold. You have to spend an obscene amount of money to make that kind of profit. Does that make sense? So it's not a big deal. Yeah, so it's not a big deal if you're living within your means, you're, you're living with Zuhud, you're doing Zuhud. For the, for the four, four to five years of your preparing to make hijrah, you live in a Zahid life. You're not getting a lavish iPhone every year. You're not buying a new Tesla every month. You just live in a normal <laughs> life of a sabir, you know, having sabr. You put your money you can, trying to build your business, build your whatnot, build your future. And when you're ready to launch, brother, you launch. Like this one. Yeah, you launch, brother. Like this thing here. And the right. to the moon. Is that, to the moon, is that a rocket? <laughs> No, that's not come rocket. It's come rocket. No, that's not come rocket, bro. No, brother. <laughs> no, you know that coin, bro. <laughs> yeah, I heard about. I heard about. Um, what's it called? Elon. Uh, he, he pumped that one, didn't he? <laughs> so yeah. So um, that's 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 that's. I think what the Shababi can focusing on, building their future mm. with a real established business model, um, saving their money. Correctly, and don't worry, don't worry about these momentary movements on Bitcoin up and down. Probably you'd be surprised. You, I'm telling you, by September time, you'd be like, "Oh, brother, I remember this a couple months ago, Bitcoin was thirty thousand. Now it's at blah blah blah." Trust me, Bitcoin moves, and you don't you don't you don't even ever expect it. Mashallah. All right. Cool guys. Fayad. Very cool, man. Alhamdulillah. Fayad, I think we're. We're good. Thank yeah, you. Today that's a, that's a good, good intro. We, uh, if you guys made it this far, comment down below. Hashtag bring Sheikh back because we definitely need him back for part two. We'll for go sure. a little bit more into, into finance, into cryptos. Jazakallah khair for your time. If there's nothing oh, yeah, else, yeah, we'll end it off then. All right, guys. Until next time. Thank you all for tuning in. May Allah bless you all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.